Dr. Debbie here, and just a quick announcement before we get to today's episode. Has someone shattered your trust? Have you been blindsided by betrayal? It's a total shock to the body and mind. Some of us recover, and many others stay sick, bitter, angry, resentful, and stuck. If that's you, I have a research-based solution. My new book, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence and Happiness is now available. In the book, I literally walk you through the five stages of betrayal all the way to transformation with all kinds of examples, stories, and activities so you heal as you're moving through the book. I've also shared my very personal story along with those who participated in my PhD study so you can see how others move through their experiences too. Of course, I'm also teaching you my four-part trust rebuilding process so you can learn to feel safe again, love again, trust again. So here's what you do. Go to the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. That's thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. Why? Because there's a link on that page that'll take you to Amazon, but I want you to know about it because once you get the book, come back to that page, enter your receipt, and then you get some amazing bonus gifts. Can't wait to share the book with you. And if you have friends or a group who'd benefit, get it for them too, because I'm giving tickets to a very special workshop for anyone who purchases more than five copies. ThePBTInstitute.com forward slash trust again. Okay, now on to today's episode. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum. Dr. Sandra is passionate about transforming healthcare by training health coaches to integrate the positive psychology model of coaching with the functional medicine approach to reversing chronic illness. She founded the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy in collaboration with the Institute for Functional Medicine. A licensed clinical psychologist for over 35 years, she taught graduate level courses in psychology of eating and mind body medicine. If you're frustrated, angry, and feeling any other dark emotion, you're going to get so much out of this episode. I'm speaking with my friend, Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum, about how to rewire our minds and responses so we break that negative, painful loop that keeps us stuck and unhappy. You're going to learn how to actually plan for a negative exchange so you handle it like a champ, how to strengthen your mind like a powerful muscle, and exactly how to let something go so you release all of the power that negativity has on you. Here we go. Okay, everybody, we have a friend of mine here. I just so adore her and I know you will too. This is Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum. She's going to be talking about everything having to do with not being miserable. And why did I bring her on? Not because you're all miserable, but we can have that. We have that option when we're, when we're working through a betrayal to be miserable or not. And so I brought on an expert who will certainly teach us how not to be. So welcome, Sandy. Thank you, Debbie. Mm -hmm. It is such a joy to be here talking with you. Uh, I, I just, I'm so excited for our conversation. So let's just get started. You know, it, being miserable is certainly, is certainly a choice, but many people don't believe that. So let's just dive into what makes us miserable. What, what has us dive in deeper to staying rooted in being miserable? And then, and then eventually, how, how can we possibly get out of it? We make ourselves miserable but it's often very hard to see that. 
once you make that discovery, change is possible. But we often believe that it's something else that's making us miserable. Somebody is making our lives miserable. This, my boss, my ex-husband, my kids are driving me nuts. We use that language and that defines then our reality. And thinking that if only he, she, my circumstances would change, then I won't be miserable anymore. And so we may walk around all day saying, this makes me so angry. He, when he does that, I, he, that makes me so upset. And the reality is that nobody has that power or no situation has that power. And it's like saying that uh, this, this, I'm going to make that table get up and take a walk. Mm -hmm, <laughs> Can't do mm -hmm. it. There's a process that goes on in your head where you take what somebody has done or take what somebody has said and then you have an interpretation of it and that's how you make yourself miserable and i want to talk about that i want to get into that a lot deeper but it's you know one of the things you said was power and what is so, what i see so often is and and listen i'm guilty of this myself we give our power power away when it's someone else's responsibility to make us happy or not to you know and and it's when we're saying that person made us miserable that person did that thing and because of it it it's making me miserable it's it really is a way of saying, okay, now, not only did you do that thing, now here's all of my power. Absolutely. And then we take it a step further and we say, and if only I can make him, her, the situation change, then I won't be miserable anymore. Then my life will be great. And so we slept somebody to therapy, we drag them, we have them, uh, we work on making them change as if we had that magical power to make somebody change. And then they don't change. And then what happens? They continue to, we continue to think that they're making us miserable. And it's just this vicious cycle that goes on and on. And that's a recipe for suffering, for sure. Absolutely. So how do you, how, can you separate it for us? Because if someone did something that was harmful, hurtful, hateful, it's, you know, our go-to response is to, is to uh, feel the effects of that. How do we not personalize it? And how do, we, how do we make some sense out of that? Yeah, so this happens all the time. We can't prevent, control what somebody is going to say to us, how they're going to act. So uh, let's say my husband, I've been married for almost 50 years. So I have a lot of this in my lifetime. Uh, and, and, and everybody, I have to stop you because I'm sitting here, I'm looking at Sandy and to say, to think she's been married for 50 years, like she can't, she hasn't even look 50. That she's been married <laughs> for 50 years is mind blowing to me. I had to stop you there. Okay. Almost 47. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so let's, that over the years, my husband has said things to me, done things. So let's say he'll get angry and he will say something. And I interpret it immediately. It's like a trigger. And I get really upset. And I might say, he shouldn't, how dare he? He shouldn't have said this to me. And so what will happen then is... I will feel this huge surge of cortisol, adrenaline, and it's like a physical stress response. And now I'm in this fight or flight mode, and I may then say something 
back. So how do you get out of it? Well, you get out of it and by focusing on, uh, you make a choice in that moment. So let's say my husband says something like, oh, like, you know, you're wrong. You don't know anything about this. And, um, it, it, or it could be even worse. Um, it could be something that is even more, more insulting. Or, you know, he could say, you know, something like, um, that, that would even be more of a trigger. And what I can do at that moment is choose how I'm going to react. I can plan beforehand. In other words, it's called stress inoculation. Let's say I can assume that as soon as we start to talk about money and budgeting and, and the early years of our marriage, I was definitely um, someone who was not careful about budget, whereas he was. And so uh, I, would, I could say, okay, I, I'm gonna rehearse a new way of responding. So you picture him saying this to you, and then you picture, I am gonna breathe through it. When I hear him say this, I'm going to say to myself, let it go. For example, if I know that this is he's somebody who's going to just say something and then two seconds later, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That was out of line. Mm -hmm. um, or you may say, I'm going to rehearse saying, you know, when you say that to me, it's really upsetting. I need, I'm leaving the room. And so that could be a way that you rehearse, so you rehearse in advance what your response is going to be. I love the idea of rehearsing in advance because it's then, you know, it, we were talking about power before. It's a way of us taking our power back saying, okay, it's likely that he or she will say something. And if I don't plan this out, my only go-to response is what I always do. So the exactly. only way is to come up with something else. What does that do? What does that do in the mind? What does that do to the brain when you're doing that? Well, you're now in an executive functioning mode. You're organizing, you're planning, you're problem solving, and you are using your strength. You are feeling empowered. You, it is the, the message you're giving yourself is that I'm choosing how I'm going to respond. This is not just going to be a trigger um, and I'm going to just respond back without any thought to it like an impulse. I can control these reactions, these impulses. And so this stress inoculation is you imagine the worst, imagine him swearing at you saying the worst possible thing, or let's say you're coming home from work and you know your kids are going to be on you to, and they're going to be complaining and nagging and doing something that you're going to then say something that you feel upset. Why did I say that to them? And why can't I manage this? So you rehearse, okay, you imagine them saying the worst possible things. You imagine the scene of them being out of control or, um, and then yelling at you as a, as a mom, perhaps as a parent. And then you can say, I'm going to, you imagine yourself, no matter what they say to me, not going to react. I'm going to think it through. I'm going to say, let's talk about it after dinner. Uh, let's. You have a, a, a script, basically, that you are, like you're an actor, you're rehearsing how the scene's going to play out. And mm -hmm. you're using imagery because you're imagining what it could look like in the way that you want it to look like. You're designing a more peaceful time, let's say, while you're home making dinner. You know, I, I love so many aspects of that. And I'm trying to get into my minds, uh, into the minds of my listeners who, who are saying, well, am I bringing it on? 
if I'm imagining this scenario beforehand where, you know, it's what we, what we feed grows. Am I, am I bringing it on by doing this? And, and what if it doesn't go the way I plan? Walk us through some of that. Yeah. So when you have your imagery that is tied to you, you imagine the worst thing happening. You imagine somebody say, imagine your boss criticizing you. You imagine, you know, saying something out of line and, you, yes, you have that negative image, but the key is you're not staying there. You're not saying, oh, he always does this to me and I can't stand this and I'm just going to have to quit one day and I can't take it anymore. And why is he doing this, this asshole? Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you don't, it, it, that is the way you would respond, then you're making yourself miserable. But with stress inoculation, you are imagining the, the you're making yourself hardy you mm -hmm. are taking that and you are reworking your response um, and so what you come out with is resiliency a way of being a way of responding that is powerful and rational mm -hmm. because the truth is that nobody can make you you feel a certain way a situation can't make you feel bad uh, words you can't do that we tell our kids that you know words can't hurt you mm -hmm. but we end up being there ourselves so what you are doing in this process is developing resiliency mm -hmm. so you're giving you it's just like an inoculation process you're giving yourself a small dose in your imagination the body's building up the inoculation response Mm -hmm. Beautiful. The immune system is getting into gear. Right. I love that. And now I, I'm, I'm playing out both scenarios. One where it goes beautifully. You'd rehearsed it and played it out and it goes well. And, and the other, you had all intentions and it just went south. Walk us Absolutely. through how to manage and that. And that's going to happen because we are not perfect. We can rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And then when we get into the situation, we fall back on an old pattern. It's just an, a trigger reaction. Mm -hmm. And that's always going to happen. Someone will, out of the blue, do something, say something, uh, uh, and you're not expecting it. Mm -hmm. And you will get into that uh, response of a stress response. And it, often you can't reason at the time. You're, you're just in, in that overwhelm. You're flooded with negative emotions. Well, this is where forgiveness really comes in. So yes, I can't, I may not do this perfectly, but there's always afterwards. And as you keep practicing and getting better and better at this process, the lag time decreases. In other words, let's say someone, my husband says something to me and I just get really like, wow, he shouldn't be, how dare he say that? This is, you know, how, how could he, you know, this is so insulting. Um, and then you say something back, but maybe I'm catching myself a lot sooner to say to him, back to him, like, you know, this is, um, you know, when you do that, it's just so upsetting for me. Um, I'm not engaging in this conversation anymore. And you leave and then maybe he responds. But what you do is afterwards, perhaps you escalated it. Perhaps you said something that was now even more insulting. Maybe you're dragging the past in something that mm -hmm. happened 20 years ago. And, mm -hmm. and now maybe you're yelling and screaming and swearing, you, you asshole, you know, how could you say mm -hmm. this to me? And, um, mm -hmm. and then you brought something and it's escalating. 
Well, you can catch yourself at any time to say, I'm going to let it go. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, maybe it's not till a few hours later where you can come to the point to say, wait a minute, he didn't make me miserable. How did that happen? And you can walk it back and you could process it now to say, okay, this is really what happened. Mm -hmm. What he said to me resulted, I, my interpretation, how dare he say that this shouldn't, he shouldn't, you know, this is, Mm -hmm. and uh, then you would have told yourself, I can't stand it. Now, the rational thinking about it afterwards is, where is it written that I can't stand it? I just did stand it. I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and so you can then imagine in the future, I'm going to do it differently. So again, you, it, even if it's after the fact, you can walk through just like, let's say you're on a sports team and you filmed the play and now they're watching. They say, okay, well, see how I did this? You learn from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then you can catch it the next time or maybe the time after that. And what we're looking at is a trend line where it starts to, you can't do it perfectly, not always going to work. But if you have a trust in this process that you get better and better and better every time. And it's just practice. These are bad habits. The individual you're dealing with has a bad habit. You have a bad habit and how you have internally responded and reacted. And then you can make that choice to say, I my um, power is in my control. I'm in control of my thoughts. And mm-hmm. as I shift that around and I have different thoughts and different imagery, I'm going to have different emotional reactions. And that's so powerful. And what's so powerful about that too is nothing changes without our awareness. And this is such an amazing way of becoming aware of how we're reacting and responding because we can go through an entire relationship decades worth with someone where we have the same go-to knee-jerk responses that don't serve us or with friends or with bosses, coworkers, whoever. And once we're aware of, wow, that person says something, I get triggered by it. I typically respond this way. Let me rehearse this new response. And we're not going to be perfect like with anything new, you know, but as long as we stick with it, you know, and, and insist on this new way of doing it, it sounds like we will create a new a new path that just leads us somewhere so much better than where it's been leading us. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So let's talk about, you're an expert in positive psychology. Uh, psychology. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So positive psychology is the scientific study of what's right with you and not what's wrong with you. Uh, emerged in the mid nineties and it's a study of flourishing. What do we need to flourish? And so the process that we just talked about, which is not making yourself miserable, a lot of those techniques come from cognitive behavior therapy. Positive psychology is really, uh, in many ways, an extension. It's what you get to when you go through that process of looking at your thoughts and and shifting to those that are going to lead you to better well-being. So what are the traits that are going to enable you to go through that process of not making yourself miserable? Well, they're your basic strengths. When you are thriving, you are in your element, you are using those strengths. What might some of those be? Well, for me, it's love of learning. I always love learning. If you're listeners, you're listening to a podcast. You love learning about mm-hmm. new ways of being and trying this on so that you're always learning, learning from mistakes. The, the character strength 
that have to do with humanity, extending kindness and, and love, kindness towards yourself, for example, gratitude, hope, humor. So we have these essential, what we call character strengths, and we all have them. And the more that you use them, you are focusing on what's right with you and not what's wrong with you. Because many times we get, we may get a diagnosis from a mental health professional. We may have been told we have you know, major depressive disorder. We may have been told we're, we're bipolar, we have anxiety disorder. And now it's like this label. It's like we're wearing it as a sign, like, and mm -hmm. it tends to define us. But often we can turn it around. Um, so uh, I, for many years, thought I had attention deficit disorder because I was always moving around and I couldn't, mm -hmm. it went from one thing to another. But when I studied positive psychology, well, we look at zest. We mm -hmm. look at having energy, enthusiasm, having um, excitement, and also uh, being create creative. And mm -hmm. so you look at, for example, a child who may have a label on them and, well, how do you want to turn that around so that they are going to be focusing on what is right? And often if we have gone through something that's been difficult, traumatic, you look at what's going to help you to get out of it. Or maybe this is the past. How did you start to thrive and overcome these obstacles? It is because you had experienced hope, you mm -hmm. used gratitude or creativity, a creative solution mm -hmm. to your dilemma. And so that was a way, or maybe forgiveness. Forgiveness is really powerful. Um, and so the situation that I shared you know, with my husband in order to be married so many years, forgiveness. So yes, he said things that were inappropriate and I got angry. And, but he also has values that I uh, really love. Mm -hmm. And he also, you know, is very, has been very giving in many ways. And mm -hmm. so I often look at, well, what are the ways that he has acted kindly? So, mm -hmm. you know, yes, he's done these things, but what about the ways that he has shown positive traits? And, and that's why, you know, we have so much in common as far as that type of psychology, because mine, the one I said, it was transpersonal psychology, the psychology of, 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 you know, forward moving and, and transformation, human, human potential, because I, I don't know, it's when we sit and say how wrong everything is, it's almost like we're planting deeper and deeper roots. And there's something so wonderful about what's, like I love how you said what's right with us versus what's wrong with us because you know it's one thing to dig into the past to understand but then what can we do with it what can we do Ab yeah absolutely and sometimes it does take forgiveness it does sometimes we just choose we're just gonna have to let things go Mm -hmm. And many of the ways that we upset ourselves can be very, it's the small things, you know, so we, we walk into a location, like I was in a Pilates class, and it was really cold, and I'm thinking, oh, it's too cold in here, and, or it's too warm, or it's too crowded, or um, somebody annoys us by their, their habits, um, uh, and so it's, it's often those little things, that, so it's constantly being able to let go of what's so insignificant and turn to what really matters. Does and I want to really matter. Right. And I want to ask you about that because th the process of letting go 
you know, it sounds wonderful. We'll just let it go. Is there a way, is there a process that you use or a, some sort of way that you just let something go? What goes, what goes on in your mind where you say, you know what, that really is insignificant. Let it go. And you actually do. <laughs> yeah. Um, often um, it's using the, it can be really simple. It's just taking a breath. Like, so you get rid of it physically. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's turning to, um, is this worth upsetting myself over? And so you can, you can sometimes turn it into humor. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many people use humor. Um, in many years ago, I used to work when I was a psychologist and did a lot of work with people with um, coronary heart disease and in stress rehab. You know, I'd say, is this worth dying over? Mm -hmm. Every time little things upset you, um, and traffic, you know, the drivers, is, is this worth dying over? What's the worst thing that can happen? Um, I can stand it. I don't may not like it. This is uncomfortable, but I can stand it. I won't remember this in a few days. Um, and so often distraction, you, you pull yourself into something that is, is more, um, more hopeful, more accommodating, or even just, you know, turning on a song, Listen, get, getting lost in something that's going to bring you joy. So you say, I'm going to turn, if I know when I focus on this, when I, I'll upset myself, and so I'm going to turn to this because I'm going to choose to be in a, a better place. Going out and taking a walk is often a good way. Mm -hmm. Being outside, just, even just looking out the window is enough to lose, let go. But sometimes you say, well, uh, will I remember this in five years? Mm -hmm. How significant is this? Mm -hmm. um, and so that letting go is more than just saying let it go. You can physically, as you exhale and you're letting go of the breath, you can let it go. You can notice where you're holding on physically. Maybe you're clenching your jaw. Maybe your shoulders are up to your ears. So you physically let it go. Mm -hmm. And that can create a, a good response. Maybe if it's somebody who just said something to you, you imagine some, you know, that warmth flowing through your heart and you extend warmth to them, almost like a loving kindness, like may I wish them well. Um, and this works really well the closer you are with somebody. So you mm -hmm. really are focusing on the basic connection that you have, letting go of the specific incident that occurred that you didn't like. And two things you mentioned, I just want to just make sure we're clear about. So when, when Sandy was saying about, um, let's say, distracting ourselves, that's not the numbing, avoiding, distracting, because there's something we don't want to feel or face where it's causing harm. This is where, you know, we're choosing another alternative. Uh, and it's, it's to, to uh, sort of ease the, the pain of what we could feel if we hung on to it. A little bit different. So it's a, it's a different distinction there. And, and you mentioned humor too. And I think that's, that's so important. And I remember reading, I think it was David R. Hawkins' book, Letting Go. Let Go. Letting Go? Was it Letting Go? And he yeah. talked about just how I remember reading a, a part where he was saying that you're just in this heated argument with someone. And then at some point, you just realize how ridiculous it is. Yeah. And you just start laughing. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. And for me, distraction would be I, I take tap dance class or ballet. And so sometimes um, I will just I know. So you, you have enough activities, things in your uh, repertoire where, you know, when you engage in this activity, you are going to let go. You're going to have fun. And so what do you personally enjoy uh, that's going to doesn't have to be for a long period of time. 
but it'll be enough. You put on your some song that you like and you dance to the end of the song. Um, it's a way of breaking the mold, breaking the thought process, getting you out of your head, into your body, but doing something that you enjoy, something distracting. Uh, if you enjoy something that is going to engage you, like if you if you love cooking and you have to follow a recipe, that engaging rather than just sometimes even just going for a walk isn't going to do it because you're still in your head. But mm -hmm. doing something where, yeah, I have to be in that tap class looking at that choreography. And so that's going to engage. And then I walk out and I know I'm going to feel a whole lot better. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So is there a connection between changing uh, your thought patterns and using strengths and physical, uh, between physical strength and well-being and, and your thoughts? Absolutely. So we know that there's this huge mind-body connection. Thoughts are then producing a physiological response. I always used to say with a psychologist, everything is sorted. So it's like you're sorting laundry, black, white. Everything we say to ourselves, every emotion is either going to go in the dark poly. In other words, it's going to be triggering at some level a stress response, or it's the opposite. It's going to go in the a pile of lights laundry mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's going to create or of a calming response and physiologically it's like one or the other there's no choice it's either mm -hmm. going to be neutral or going to be more of a on the the healing side or it's going to be more of a negative thought i can't stand it this is awful she shouldn't be doing this i hate this this is terrible um words like that will trigger the stress response but um, word or expressions that have to do with um, more rational or letting go will trigger a healing response. And, and, so and well studied. Right. And I, I remember learning about that. I thought my head was going to fly off my body when I learned that. And, he, and I want to make sure everybody knows that we're talking about every single thought you have. Yeah. So if the majority of your thoughts all day long are negative, you are drowning in the sea of stress-induced hormones and chemicals. On the other hand, if they're more positive, you're actually flooding yourself with something yeah. much more positive. Exactly. So I, right? So, th when, so I invite everybody to really start paying attention to those thoughts because there's not a one that doesn't have a little chemical that's attached to it. Yeah. Totally. And it doesn't always have to be that, like what we think of as this trauma response, like a mm -hmm. shock, like you, um, you have a wild animal chasing you. Mm -hmm. It can be at a such low level that it's imperceptible. You don't know that there's a little bit of more cortisol being released. Fortunately, now we have devices like even the blood sugar monitor. You can see I was wearing that for two weeks. I was shocked to see it wasn't so much the food I was eating. It mm -hmm. was the stress. It was my thoughts uh, when I was rushing uh, it elevated. So, uh, you know, I was just out to dinner with a, somebody, a couple, and this guy complained about everything. Oh, the food, why are they taking too long? Oh, the salad, this shouldn't be like this. And uh, everything was a complaint, a negative response. And this guy has a sky high level of stress. Yeah. And it's amazing. You're just, that brings up another point too. I remember being insulin resistant, borderline diabetic. I wasn't even eating sugar and it was completely due to stress. Stress is real, everyone. Sandy, what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Yeah. So this is doable. And just having the thought that I can do this to be, um, it is just like a bad habit and you can get out of those habits, but you may not be able to do it on your own. 
and a lot of times people need a coach and so um, you can work with a health coach um, to help you through that to hold you accountable for changing your thoughts to more a uh, realistic pattern uh, but to have a sense that this is doable um, that you can learn, you can have people helping you and supporting you. Uh, there are whole communities that work together to, um, to really transition to a, uh, just a better way of being where you're thriving and not Perfect. upsetting yourself. Absolutely. And where do we go to learn more about you and the wonderful work you do? <laughs> Functionalmedicinecoaching.org. Thank you. Sandy, thank you so much. We learned so much from this episode and I know you just helped so many people today. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. I don't know about you, but I learned so much from this episode, like stress inoculation, where we actually plan how we'll respond in order to prevent our usual go-to responses and the results that go with it, how to build resilience, and so much more. Stay in touch with Dr. Sandy by going to functionalmedicinecoaching.org, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. By addressing and focusing on what's right with you versus what's wrong with you, we focus on our strengths and give them enough attention to build momentum. With that intention, we focus more on love, gratitude, kindness, our love for learning, energy, and more. And in doing so, we're giving ourselves the fuel we need to feel more confident, capable, worthy, and deserving. I also love how Sandy addressed letting something go, not as a concept, but with some practical solutions to let something go so we feel lighter, happier, and more filled with joy. What's another thing? you can do to give you some more joy, find out where you may be stuck. If you haven't already, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And something else pretty joyful I'm excited to share, doors are open to the all new PBT membership community. Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. I'm so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.